Welcome to the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Now here's your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Monkeypox was first identified in a lab nearly 70 years ago among research monkeys, hence its name. It occurs primarily in the tropical rainforest areas of Central and West Africa and has been occasionally exported to other regions. It's gotten little global attention until the recent rise in cases in countries in Europe, the US and Canada. Monkeypox virus is transmitted from one person to another by close contacts with lesions, body fluids, respiratory droplets and contaminated materials such as bedding. Typical symptoms include fever, rash, and swollen lymph nodes, and may lead to a range of medical complications. We've been hearing a lot about the virus in the recent weeks, so joining us today is Dr. Janice Fitzgerald, Newfoundland and Labrador's Chief Medical Officer of Health, to help us better understand the monkeypox virus. She'll explain what's happening around the world and what's happening here at home, as well as what public health agencies can do to control its spread and manage its treatment. Let's check out my conversation with Dr. Fitzgerald. Hi, Dr. Fitzgerald. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it seems that we're always having discussions about different health conditions that are going around because today we're going to be talking about monkeypox. Um, can you tell me a bit about it, how to get its name and what it is? Yeah, so monkeypox is actually an infection that's caused by the monkeypox virus. Um, and th that virus is actually in the same family of viruses that cause smallpox. They're closely related, but monkeypox symptoms really are, are milder and rarely do we see fatalities with it as we do with chickenpox. And just as a note and for clarification, it's, it's not related to chickenpox is what I was going to say. Mm. So, you know, that's really important. A lot of people think that they may be somehow related. They're not. So how it got its name is actually in uh, the 50s, I think around 58, there were two outbreaks of, of uh, a pox-like disease in, in some research monkeys that, in the States. And so um, it got called monkeypox. Um, but I don't know that, you know, we've even... Uh, definitively said what the source of the infection is. There, it can exist in um, some rodents as well as non-human human primates mm -hmm. uh, like monkeys. But, uh, you know, it's not just monkeys. It can certainly be in other animals as well. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned 1958. Is that when this was first discovered? I, I'm not really sure if it was uh, if that's sort of when it was discovered, but I think monkeypox has been around before that, and certainly it's a disease that has been uh, sporadically reported uh, in the past. Mm. Have they been able to like geographically nail down where it came from originally? What we've seen, uh, well, the first human case was reported in in 1970 or so. Not to say that it didn't happen before that, but um, it. it Prior to this outbreak, really, we had seen monkeypox mainly in uh, Central and Western Africa uh, in humans. Um, and so um, anyone who was seen in other countries, it was kind of linked to travel, uh, but we didn't see this kind of sustained outbreak outside of uh, those areas uh, until this year. Yeah, I'd be curious to find out exactly why. Was it always found in animals? Like, do we think that it's been existing in animals for a long time and just sort of made this leap, like the zoonotic transmission to humans? Yeah, generally that's what ends up happening. And, uh, you know, as to the... Uh, 
you know, how long it's been around in animals, couldn't tell you. It's kind yeah. of not my species, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So generally at some point it must've made the leap. And, uh, you know, the first, like I said, the first human case reported in 1970, that doesn't mean that was a, when it made that leap. It could have been before that. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, that's the first time it was reported. So, but it has been able to spread uh, between people and there have been limited outbreaks uh, in the past in those African areas that, uh, with the Western and central African areas. Yeah, I, I guess that's really the, the sort of more of the alarm or the or the caution people are experiencing now is that in July, the director of the World Health Organization made a statement declaring that this was a multi-country outbreak and that represents a, a public health emergency of international concern. You know, and they asked for this sort of global response. How many countries have had cases to date and how many are taking action when it comes to this? So I think there's around 90 countries so far that have been affected, uh, about 32,000 cases, somewhere close to there worldwide. So, you know, most countries are taking action to try to uh, to try to get a handle on this. And, and so some are uh, able to vaccinate because they have some stockpiles or some sources of um, uh vaccine vaccine for that and uh and then there's also uh you know other um you know, contact tracing responding to cases and outbreaks as we normally would in public health mm-hmm. as everybody is now educated on i remember when we first chatted i was saying that i was an epidemiologist and i always had to explain what an epidemiologist was but now everybody's well aware of that and uh, <laughs> you know the other thing that kind of strikes me is that the world is much more proactive when it comes to public health measures, cleaning, wearing masks, doing all these different things to help mitigate the risk of COVID-19. Why is this this condition now spreading geographically? Is, is there something unique about it now? Um, I don't know that, uh, that there, I mean, it's, it's transmitted really through in humans through close contact and, mm-hmm. you know, we travel a whole lot more than we used to. I think there's probably been almost a rebound in travel after the last couple of years of not being able to travel, you know? So I think it, I think to some degree, this was bound to happen eventually that we would see spread outside. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, it, it, uh, um, it's just gotten to that point. Um, you know, a recent study has indicated that the virus is mutating, uh, uh, the virus that's caused this outbreak has mutated a little more quickly than what would be expected for, for a DNA virus, which is what the monkeypox virus is, unlike the COVID virus, which is um, an RNA virus, right? So it doesn't mutate quite as quickly as the DNA virus doesn't. So, but we don't really know whether that mutation has, has, um, contributed to more efficient spread at this point. So there's really a lot more study that has to go into that. So I guess stay tuned, more to come. Right. And, and you know, there's always new news. And of course, this is going to air next week um, from the time we're interviewing you. But we had our first few uh, potential cases here in the province. Uh, how has Canada been faring? And then what are we seeing here in Newfoundland and Labrador? Yeah, so in um, in Canada, there's just over a thousand cases now. I think that was updated yesterday. Most of those cases are in Ontario and Quebec, um, but there are six jurisdictions jurisdictions right now with confirmed cases. We've had two probable cases in Newfoundland and left door. Um, unfortunately, they haven't been able to be confirmed, but uh, clinically, um, they 
they're what we call uh, probable cases. Mm-hmm. And we'll be sure to update that as we get closer to yeah. airing the show to make sure the stats are accurate. Now, something I think is really important to clarify around this, and that is you mentioned how the disease is, uh, is transmitted. And both internationally and Canada, it's been shown the majority of cases happen to be in males and males that have had intimate sexual contact with other men. So is monkeypox a sexually transmitted disease? I think we need to clarify this. Yeah, and you know, it's that's a very, uh, very good question. Um, we don't have definitive evidence at this time to support that it is a sexually transmitted disease. We know that it ha- that it is spread through very close contact, and of course, sexual contact is close contact, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we really need to be clear that anyone can be infected with this disease, and we have to be careful about how we characterize people who become infected. So, uh, you know, people in the two-spirit, gay, bisexual, trans, and queer community, you know, they've certainly been quite proactive when it comes to their health. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, you know, I think that has likely led to us discovering this outbreak in very early stages that they, you know, and their willingness to come forward and access care and vaccination, I think, has really helped in controlling it. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, while this might be the community that we see it in right now, that's not to say that this can happen in any person. Right. Exactly. Yeah, close contact, and that's what I've been hearing as well. It just uh, just so happens that uh, that's a, a population that may have been infected more readily at the beginning of this condition. So, okay, so we talked about how it's spread, and then it's through close contact. So, does that really mean that everybody is at risk for getting it at this point if they are in close physical contact with somebody else? Yeah. Um, so, no, not in general. You know, okay. if you're in close physical contact with someone who has monkeypox, then you might very well be able to get it. Uh, but in general, no, I, we're certainly not saying that you should limit close contact and things like that. You know, we, okay. this uh, virus can be spread from animals to humans, you know, and that that happens, has happened and certainly uh, is likely what has happened in the past to start some of these other outbreaks that we've seen. Mm-hmm. But it can uh, be through person to person as well. So through direct contact with, uh, it, you know, in, uh, lesions on the skin or uh, body fluids, you know, uh, uh, fluid from the nose, mouth, and, uh, um, and sexual contact as well, as mm-hmm. we said previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also get it through direct contact um, with, uh, say, clothing or linens and things if there was uh, fluid from lesions, for example, that got onto those onto those uh, things and then came into contact with it. So we know that these are ways that you can pick this up. So, um, you know, it's, uh, but yeah, not everybody is at risk. We're here with Dr. Janice Fitzgerald, Newfoundland and Labrador's Chief Medical Officer of Health to help us better understand the monkeypox virus. She's explaining what's happening around the world and what's happening here at home, as well as what our public health agencies can do to control its spread and manage its treatment. We'll be right back after the break. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Dr. Janice Fitzgerald about the monkeypox virus. Monkeypox is a rare viral infection, usually found in forested areas of Central and West Africa. The disease originates in animals, but in the last 50 years or so, it's been also reported in humans. 
Monkeypox doesn't normally spread easily between people as it requires very close physical contact to allow the virus to enter the body. This could be through broken skin, the eyes, nose, or mouth, and the result of coming into contact with these lesions, bodily fluids, or the respiratory droplets of infected people. It can also be contracted through prolonged contact with contaminated possessions of infected people such as clothing, bedding, and towels. Monkeypox is what's called self-limiting, with most of those infected recovering within a few weeks without the need for treatment. However, the disease can be more severe, especially in young children, pregnant women, and individuals who are immunocompromised. Let's get back to the interview and learn more about some of the symptoms from Dr. Fitzgerald. Maybe it's a good time to go through some of these symptoms and, and how does this uh, condition manifest in people and how can they be cognizant of, of seeing it if, if it does happen to them? Yeah, so um, with monkeypox, there's what we call uh, a prodrome. Uh, so there's there's a, a period of time when you develop symptoms before the, the rash, before the skin eruption breaks out, right? So that uh, the... Monkeypox virus can actually incubate, um, oh, anywhere from five to 21 days, on average six to six days to 13 days, but um, anywhere from five to 21. And um, basically uh, that prodrome stage is the first, uh, when the symptoms start, um, that's uh, fever, chills, you may get swollen lymph nodes, you know, in, um, in different areas of the body headaches, aches and pains, uh, weakness, tiredness, those sorts of things feel very much like the flu or COVID or any of those things, right? Mm -hmm. But then you have the skin eruption that happens. So the rash generally appears one to three days after you get the fever and uh, if you get the fever and then lasts for two to four weeks. And uh, usually well, it can start on the face um, as opposed to the trunk, but it can affect any part of the body. So it can be on the hands, feet, um, in the, on the mouth, uh, around the genitals, uh, what we call the perianal region, so around your bottom. Um, so, and as the, as the illness progresses, the rash can change. So it starts off as sort of flat lesions or flat spots on your skin, and then it gets more raised, and then it can develop um, what we call vesicles, so little fluid-filled uh, lesions, kind of like what if people remember chickenpox, I don't know. <laughs> We've been vaccinating so well against chickenpox. I'm not sure anybody remembers what it looks like now. But uh -huh. um, and then finally turns to a little what we call pustules. So there's almost like a pus pussy kind of lesion. Mm -hmm. So and then eventually they just kind of scab and form little ulcers and scab and fall off. So mm -hmm. um, you know, so that's certainly the progress that we see and um, through that, and that can last like I said, anywhere from two to four weeks. Although I think what we've been seeing in this outbreak is that generally are a, a couple of weeks, most people are getting over the rash. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, And I guess the other question would be, um, we've, we're so used to variants. We hear about COVID-19. I think in our mind, we compare everything to COVID-19 because we're so educated on it. Are there variants of this, like different types of monkeypox you can get? Uh, yeah, so they're, they're basically what we call two clades of the virus. So there's the Central African clade and the West African clade. So, and the West African clade appears to be the origin of the virus that um, had started this outbreak. Um, so most of the uh, reports that have come back from, from labs around the world has shown that uh, they all seem to be related to this West African clade. Um, and uh, the Central African clade is a, has a slightly higher 
what we call case fatality ratio, so more deaths associated with it, more severe disease than the West African clade. But uh, that's the two main strains, I suppose you could uh, you could say. Right. Okay. So I think about having chicken pox and uh, and and how that was transmitted in the past, and it wasn't that big of a deal. Most kids got chicken pox. When I think about smallpox, which was extremely dangerous to a lot of people. How? Why are there so many concerns about the World Health Organizations when it comes to these current outbreaks? Do they fear it's going to be something like smallpox? Well, no, I don't know that. I think it's just you know it it does it's for the most majority of people it's a, a you know a self limiting illness and it will get better on its own and you can be uncomfortable. But anytime we're seeing these sorts of new new diseases that are spreading, it's it's more of an indication of just trying to keep things under control. It they, it can cause some. Uh, more severe symptoms in some people, and and uh, you know we have had fatalities with with monkeypox, although not as many as you would see with smallpox, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, so you know, but it isn't. It's a it's a disease that's emerging and spreading, and so that's part of the reason why uh, you know we want to make sure it doesn't uh, it doesn't spread. And the more a virus has an opportunity to spread, the more it can mutate, and then that mm-hmm. can make a difference with. Uh, you know, infectiousness or severity as we saw with COVID. So, um, you know, those are all reasons why we want to try to keep uh, keep this outbreak as limited as we can. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we talked about some of the signs and symptoms of it. Are there going to be tests that are developed uh, that can be done by individuals, similar to what we've seen before? Or like you said, is it going to go through the lab at the hospital or whatever healthcare center we go to? Yeah, so currently um, what we have available is uh, like you have to test the actual lesions, right? So it's not a test from your nose or anything like that. You actually have to take a sample of the lesions when they become vesicular. So when they get that fluid in them or the pus in them, that's when we have to get those samples. And if we don't do it, then sometimes we don't get enough uh, material to be able to test. So it, mm. that's it's a very important window. So because of that, there's a specific technique that has to be followed and it really needs needs to be done by a healthcare practitioner. Um, and uh, so once a healthcare practitioner is concerned about a diagnosis of monkeypox, and they can make sure they can arrange the sampling and send it to our public health lab here. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, I don't anticipate, unless you know they find some, uh, some way to be able to do it more efficiently otherwise. We're here with Dr. Janice Fitzgerald, Newfoundland and Labrador's Chief Medical Officer of Health, to help us better understand the monkeypox virus. She's explaining what's happening around the world and what's happening here at home, as well as what our public health agencies can do to control its spread and manage its treatment. We'll be right back after the break. Weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM Morning Show. Welcome back to the show. Today we're speaking with Dr. Janice Fitzgerald about the monkeypox virus. The primary measures to control outbreaks of monkeypox are contact tracing and isolation. It's really important for people who are confirmed with monkeypox to disclose to their contacts so they can be alerted to monitor their symptoms. To help prevent people from even getting the virus in the first place, it's recommended to avoid skin-to-skin or face-to-face contact with anyone who has symptoms, to practice safe sex, cleaning your hands regularly, especially before and after having contact with a symptomatic person or their belongings. These are all measures that we've been conscious of in the past for various health conditions, so it makes sense that we'd apply these for this virus in particular. Well, let's get back to our interview and learn more from Dr. Fitzgerald about monkeypox. Okay, so we've gone through like sort of the condition we talked about lasting about uh, about a month or so and the worst case or the longest term of it. Um, 
how's it treated? Is it treated like uh, like we would treat chicken pox or? Yeah, so for the most part, we uh, recommend what we call supportive care. So, you know, you, you treat as needed, um, you treat symptoms. So if there's, uh, you know, fever, you treat the fever. If there's discomfort, you use pain relievers. Um, in, in some uh, cases, the disease can be more severe. Or, you know, you may have some people that have a lot of lesions around their mouth, makes it very difficult to eat or swallow. And so there are some treatments that can be offered uh, for those people. Um, and so far, we haven't had to treat um, a lot of people with, uh, with these medications. And uh, there's an antiviral agent uh, that is available um, for that we've used in smallpox disease previously, uh, but it has uh, has been used for monkeypox in this uh, in this situation. Hmm. And and lesions would be not itchy or anything, but more like painful, almost like a, like a shingles or something like that. Is that what you're I, no? I think for it depends on where they are. So sometimes mm -hmm. they can oh. get quite painful, and sometimes maybe not. Mm -hmm. uh, but. Uh, uh, but just the, there also can be swelling of lymph nodes and that can be quite painful at times. You know, if you've ever gotten a strep throat and gotten your mm. neck lymph node swollen, that can be quite painful and tender. So, you know, anytime something is inflamed, it can be, it can be uncomfortable. Uh, but, you know, if you get lesions in your mouth and I don't know, I remember having chicken pox and having lesions in my mouth and that was pretty uncomfortable. It was really hard to eat. And if you get any little sores inside your mouth, you know how, how painful they can be. Mm. So, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. uh, I'm sure not very comfortable. Yeah. I remember I had my chicken pox was, I was at a tennis camp and, uh, and I was playing really, really bad. And it was that I went home and had a fever and it was, uh, I, it was right before my grade nine graduation dance. So. <laughs> Oh, say I didn't make it to that one, but, oh. uh, but that's it. Uh, but uh, people are going to be traveling and it sounds like this disease is transfer transmitting because people are back on the move. And I don't think people, if they've got the opportunity to travel, are going to stop traveling at this point. But, you know, what techniques can we employ that we may already know to help mitigate the risk of contracting it if we are in an area around people that are infected? Yeah. So first of all, let's start. If you have monkeypox, uh, you know, you stay home and isolate, follow the advice of public health, recommendations from public health. Um, so you limit your contacts with others um, if you have symptoms um, and as, rec as recommended, right? And avoiding close physical contact, um, including sexual contact as um you know, while you're symptomatic and have those sores. Um, we also, you know, like with anything, maintain good hand hygiene and respiratory etiquette because there is some, there's uh, some um, evidence to suggest that it can spread in, in our respiratory droplets. So, uh, you know, making sure you cover your coughs and your sneezes and all that, just as we recommended before. And if you have the disease, you can consider wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. If you're, uh, and then of course, cleaning and disinfecting any high touch surfaces and things like that and, and having um, proper uh, techniques when you're washing your clothes and, thinking, you know, bed sheets, that sort of thing. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and for people who are in contact or have, may have been in contact with, um, with someone who has monkeypox right now, we're not asking those people to isolate, but, you know, we are saying monitor very closely for symptoms. And if you get any symptoms that may suggest that it's related to monkeypox, please isolate yourself and, and reduce the risk of spread. And of course, um, for anyone, good hand hygiene and respiratory etiquette is an important thing to reduce the risk of, of many types of diseases. And then of course, um, 
to reduce your risk of getting infected and spreading monkeypox uh, or any sexually transmitted infections. Of course, we talk about those safer sexual practices, such as using condoms and being more cognizant around sexual partners and, you know, having fewer sexual partners or not having anonymous sexual partners, just making sure you know your partner's sexual history, I guess, really more than anything and, and making sure you have those conversations. Totally. Totally. Good advice to keep us healthy in all sorts of ways right there. And, uh, and, you know, and I was just, uh, just to sort of reiterate the, the lesion thing, is it most contagious when somebody has lesions at that point? Because that's when the fluid is, is uh, got the carries the virus. Yeah. So certainly at the moment we're not, uh, we don't have a lot of evidence right now to tell us if, if people can spread this disease when they're not symptomatic. Um, certainly the, the, the thinking is that when you have symptoms, you certainly can spread it. So even in that prodrome phase, if you have symptoms, you may be able to spread it, mm. likely more through respiratory uh, means at that point. Uh, but once you have the lesions, those lesions are considered contagious until they're basically they've crusted over and the mm. scabs fall off. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I love the term respiratory etiquette. It's so interesting. There's been more sneezes <laughs> held in in the last two years around the world, right? It's yeah, so funny. that's right. Uh, that's good. Uh, you, you've also mentioned some vaccines. So there, there is a vaccine that's effective against this condition? Yeah, so there, there is a, a smallpox vaccines because they're so closely related. Smallpox mm. vaccines can actually be used to help prevent monkeypox. Um, and um, so it's not, you know, it's not quite as effective as it would be against smallpox, but it does seem to have a pretty good um, effectiveness. So we do have a supply and, and we have some on hand here in the province for what we call post-exposure uh, pro prophylaxis. So that would be for people who have been exposed to someone with monkeypox, um, who have no symptoms. Um, we would then give, offer them uh, the vaccine in order uh, with the hopes that we would prevent them from developing the disease and therefore spreading the disease, right? Mm. Would they be the only people at this point that would really be candidates for a vaccine like that? Yeah, in right now, that is the case. Currently, we, we are using it for what we call post-exposure prophylaxis. Um, so, um, but there are, as you've seen elsewhere in the country, there are some areas that have been using it for areas that have more cases, um, have been using it for um, pre-exposure prophylaxis. But of course, you know, this is really rapidly evolving. So, um, you know, I'm sure information is going to change in that regard. And uh, so, you know, those recommendations may change as well. We're here with Dr. Janice Fitzgerald, Newfoundland and Labrador's Chief Medical Officer of Health to help us better understand the monkeypox virus. She's explaining what's happening around the world and what's happening here at home, as well as what our public health agencies can do to control its spread and manage its treatment. We'll be right back after the break. Your VOCM Mornings with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy, 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays on your VOCM. Welcome back to the show. Today we're speaking with Dr. Janet Fitzgerald about the monkeypox virus. Currently, the World Health Organization is working with concerned countries, facilitating information sharing and supporting surveillance, testing, infection prevention, clinical management, risk communication and community engagement. The World Health Organization is also working with vaccine manufacturers to assess the potential for scaling up monkeypox and smallpox vaccines should there be a requirement to vaccinate those most at risk for catching disease or who could potentially suffer from more severe disease outcomes. Well, let's learn more about what we can do to prevent the spread of monkeypox here at home as we wrap up our interview with Dr. Janice Fitzgerald. Could monkeypox become a pandemic like uh, COVID-19 was? 
So certainly with the virus that we have right now that's circulating, um, we're not seeing that kind of transmission. So COVID transmitted through, uh, you know, droplet uh, transmission. So you really only had to be in the same room with the person and their mm-hmm. respiratory droplets could spread and you could absorb it. So it was really, it spread very, very easily. It certainly our experience here in, in Canada and I think in most areas uh, around the world right now, uh, this transmission is taking fairly close contact uh, for spread. So that's, uh, so it's unlikely that we'll see the same kind of um, spread and pandemic that we we saw with COVID, um, with the with the virus that we're seeing circulating right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's good to know. And uh, if somebody has a suspected case of it, should they go directly to the hospital or contact their doctor? Yeah, certainly we recommend that you contact your healthcare provider if you if you have one, and uh, you know, uh, or whoever you would normally go to for care, or call eight one one if you're not really sick, um, and um, if certainly if you have to access emergency care, it might be a good idea to uh, notify upon arrival that, uh, you know, you, um, you're concerned about that just so that uh, you can be isolated. And um, we would recommend then that you do isolate it until you're assessed and until somebody can give you some further information. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so is there anything else we should know at this time from your perspective? Uh, I think... I think what I want people to know is, you know, this is something we're watching very closely. Uh, You know, the Public Health Agency of Canada is watching it very closely. Um, They're working with the partners within the country, but also on the global scale as well in the World Health Organization. And Mm -hmm. they're monitoring this very closely on a global uh, scale, but they're also looking, we're also connected across the across the country. So uh, we've established a special advisory committee with all of the chief medical officers of health across the, across the country um, and, um, you know, on monkeypox in particular. So we are looking at this much like we did COVID in the beginning mm-hmm. and uh, following it very carefully. So I want people to be reassured that we are watching for this. It's something that we have to be, we have to be cognizant of, we have to be aware of, you know, as we should with any, any, health issue but uh you know i don't think we have to be um extremely fearful at this point we certainly want people to be aware um to know how to protect themselves um but to know that uh, you know that can you know you can protect yourself and you can reduce your risk so mm-hmm. um really important to uh to follow that advice Good, good. Yeah, that's great. And, and a lot of us have been trained very well over the last little while to make sure we're being good. And so since I have you here and we're going into the fall, which tends to be a time when we see increased rates of COVID-19, is there any advice you'd give people about that? Um, we're going to be dealing with COVID going forward now, you know, much as we deal with other respiratory illnesses. So, uh, you know, in the fall, likely we are going to see, as people start to move back inside, we are going to see an increase in um, uh, COVID transmission, and we're probably going to see an increase in flu transmission as well at that at that time. And then, of course, we always see uh, increased transmission of some of these other respiratory viruses once the kids get back to school, like enteroviruses mm-hmm. and things like that. So, um, you know, it's it's there's going to be a <laughs> a great meeting of all the viruses, I think. Um, so, you know, to prepare for that, most important things 
I think, you know, remember all the things that we've talked about, just reducing your risk, uh, you know, uh, people's face, time and place, do those things still apply? So mm -hmm. uh, wear your mask if you feel like you need to, especially if you're in a vulnerable uh, group and, and you feel like you need to protect yourself, make sure you wear a mask. And really important to make sure you're up to date on your vaccines. And mm -hmm. the evidence is showing us more and more now that even with waning immunity, having those uh, boosters is, is protective and does uh, reduce your risk of severe disease. It may not stop you from getting the virus, but it certainly does reduce your risk of severe disease. So it's really important to be up to date on your vaccine. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're if you're over the age of 18, come the fall, and we'll have some, you know, we'll have some information on this in the near future. We're recommending that you get a booster in the fall, regardless of your previous vaccination status. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, if you're five to 11, the recommendation right now is that you get uh, you get both of those vaccines. And we've just recently introduced uh, the vaccination from six months to five years. So uh, mm -hmm. we're recommending, you know, two doses of that, even if you've had. Um, disease, even if you've been infected with COVID, we still recommend that you get that vaccination. You can wait a bit after your infection to to get the vaccine, just to make sure you get the best um, the best immune response that you can. But we still recommend that you get it. That's great. Yeah, I was one of those people that traveled recently, and I've noticed that in Newfoundland and Labrador, we are much better than a lot of places that's still sticking to those public health, which will hopefully put us in a good situation for the fall. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Yeah. Fitzgerald, thank you so much for taking the time yet again and coming on and clarifying it, and uh, thanks for informing all of us on this uh, on the monkeypox. Okay, thanks very much. Thank you to Dr. Fitzgerald for joining me today to share more about the monkeypox virus. I hope you learned as much as I have today about the virus and what it means for us here at home. If we apply the information we learned today and report any potential cases, it seems as though this virus can be managed and is much different than what we've seen over the last few years with COVID-19. I think we've all learned the benefits of hand washing, respiratory etiquette, and respecting other people's personal space. So it makes sense we should do our best to apply those things whenever we can. Well, thanks again for joining me today. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of The Wall Show on your VOCM.